they weren't just asking for healing, they were literally asking for a resurrection. And this is actually the first time as far as we can tell. First time in the book of Acts where anyone had the faith to ask not just for a healing, but for a resurrection. You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, hello, and welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Valley, and today we're continuing in our study through the book of Acts, and we'll actually be picking up in Acts chapter 9 and finishing up the chapter from uh, verse 32 down to 43. Okay, uh, so as we get started today, let me give you some information to get you kind of caught up with where we're at and we can launch into today's uh, passage. So, um, you know, one of the things we've been seeing through the book of Acts here is that the early Christians were really beginning to spread throughout the region. And what we think of today is kind of like, you know, modern day Israel and some parts of the Mediterranean, right? And uh, so they were spreading out through the region and they were no longer contained just to Jerusalem or even just a couple of cities, okay? So that's kind of where we're at at this point in the story, right? Because the early chapters uh, of the book of Acts, uh, they were really contained. Everything was happening in Jerusalem, but they've been spread out now since, you know, chapter 7 and 8. And so um, that's where we're kind of at with, 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 with where the early church is going. And so along this journey through the story of the early church, Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, right? Uh, Luke has been intentionally highlighting some things such as, you know, what the early church practices were. Uh, he's been highlighting what some of the early issues and obstacles for the early church were. Uh, he's highlighting, you know, what things led to the church growing and what kinds of people were beginning to receive the gospel. And so there's a key word that I want us to have ready for uh, this lesson as we go through it. It might be a word you're familiar with. It probably is, but just so we're all on the same page, that word is synergy, okay? And what is synergy? Synergy is when two things work together to create an effect that is greater than just those two things combined, right? Um, an example of synergy would be that two horses, this is true, two horses can actually pull more than three times the amount of weight that only one horse can pull, right? So, for example, like if, if one horse could only pull like 8,000 pounds, uh, it's known that two horses could pull 24,000 pounds or even more, right? So you would think, oh, if one horse can pull 8,000 pounds, then two horses can pull 16. No, they can pull at least 24, maybe even more than that, right? That's synergy. So it's when two things work together to create an effect that's greater than just the sum of the parts. Uh, synergy is a pretty cool thing, right? And so I want you to have that word in your mind as we go today, because we're talking about the synergy of faith and love. Um, so uh, as we read, we're, again, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, verse 32 uh, to 43. And as we read this passage, uh, here's the question I'd like you to have in your mind as we go. And that question is, how do faith and love work together? Okay, just think about that question. How do faith and love work together? All right. And yet, as you have that question in your mind, let's read. Uh, verse 32, Acts 9, uh, says, As Peter was traveling from place to place, he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. Uh, there he found a man named uh, Aeneas, uh, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, 
Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon uh, saw him and turned to the Lord. And in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Uh, and she was always doing good works and acts of charity. And after uh, uh, about that time, uh, she became sick and died. And after washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men to him who urged him, Don't delay in coming with us. And Peter got up and went with him. And when he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs. And all the widows approached him, weeping and showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. And Peter sent them all out of the room. And he knelt down and prayed and turned toward the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. And he gave her his hand and helped her stand up. And he called the saints and the widows and presented her alive. And this became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. All right. Uh, so now that we've read through the passage, uh, let's just kind of examine it and look at what are some of the big points uh, that we that we're seeing here. You know, the first one's pretty straightforward. You know, Peter's traveling and ministering again. As I said at the beginning, you know, the church was really beginning to spread throughout the region, and so Peter's traveling and ministering. And one of the things he does is, you know, he heals a man whose miracle leads to the salvation of an entire town. That's pretty wild, right? Because it said, you know, um, all who lived and Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. It's pretty wild, right? And so what we're seeing here is that Peter's ministry path is taking him into areas with higher Gentile populations, right? And, and again, this is something we've been talking about now for several lessons uh, that we're seeing. Uh, Luke, is, Luke is building for us a trend. He's showing us this trend where uh, the gospel was beginning gradually more and more and more to just reach beyond historic Jewish Israelites, right? and beginning to reach more and more people, people who would not traditionally follow God, but would follow other pagan idols. Now, they, you know, the ministry was getting closer and closer to them. And so this has been a slow build now to the book of Acts that's really going to hit uh, a big point in chapter 10, but that would be for the next lesson, right? But we see that Peter's ministry path is taking him into areas that have higher Gentile populations. And you're seeing that because, like, here, you know, Tabitha, Tabitha is probably her Hebrew name, uh, but Dorcas was the Greek name, right? Um, and so uh, you're, you're seeing that she's in a culture where she's got, you know, this dual language name, right? Uh, and let me read you this excerpt. This is from the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It says, The gospel was beginning to attract a wider audience, for many in this coastal region were Gentiles. Sharon is the fertile plain along the coast of Palestine, about 10 miles wide and 50 miles long, and Lydda was on the southeastern edge of that plain. And so that kind of helps us understand the geography of, of where Peter is. Right. Uh, and so that's the first point, right? We see Peter's traveling and ministering, going closer and closer to Gentile populations, which is really going to become important in the next chapter. So we want to focus on that. But the big point I want to look at today in the passage is that the believers in Joppa really ask for a very incredible, a really incredible thing, right? We see in their request how faith and love work together 
in the church. And that's what I kind of want to unpack here in the next couple of minutes, right? Uh, because we're seeing the synergy, okay? There's that word. We're seeing the synergy that happens between faith and love, okay? Uh, and let me just share this with you, right? Because when, when asking the believers in Corinth, you go read the letters to the Corinthians that Paul later writes to the Corinthians, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a point in the second uh, second book of Corinthians, when Paul is asking the church in Corinth to send money to provide for the poor that are in Jerusalem. And as he's doing that, he explains uh, how synergy comes from having faith in God and love for one another. And it's kind of a complex idea that he's explaining here. So let's read this. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. And then we'll jump back to Acts and see how the believers in Joppa are already living this out long before Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, right? But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 says, For the ministry of the service, talking about providing money for the poor in Jerusalem, it says the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, that's the Christians in Jerusalem, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the, the surpassing grace of God in you. So essentially what Paul is describing here is that when you love people and you care for them, the result is that their faith in God's provision increases. And then as they turn to thank God for the way that he provided for them through you, then their love for you increases. And then that love results in more care for one another, which then results in more faith in God's provision, which then results in more thanksgiving to God, which then results in more love for one another. And it's like this cycle that where the, the, having faith in God and having genuine love and care for one another have this incredible synergy, right? That's the idea that I want us to see in what's happening in Joppa, all right? So what we see here is that the believers in Joppa really had this strong, tangible, mutual love between them. Like Luke takes time to point that out, right? In verse uh, 39, uh, it says, that when, he, when Peter had arrived, uh, you know, the widows are, they're, they're standing there, they're weeping, and they're showing him all these things that Dorcas had made for them, right? That she had, she had provided and cared for them, right? So what we see here is that her love is demonstrated in her care for their needs, and their love back is demonstrated in their deep gratitude and their deep affection for her, right? And then we see that the love in their community had caused this increase in the faith of their community, right? Because look what, you know, back in verse 37 and 38, she was already dead. And yet they were sending people to go find Peter and say, hey, we've just heard you've done this miracle over here where you've healed this guy. This lady's dead. Will you come pray for her? I mean, think about it for a minute. This, they weren't just asking for healing. They were literally asking for a resurrection for her. And this is actually the first time, as far as we can tell, first time in the book of Acts where anyone had the faith to ask, not just for a healing, but for a resurrection 
Uh, it's, it's a really bold request. And it's the first one that we see recorded in the book of Acts, right? So they have this strong love that is resulting in strong and increased faith, right? We see that, 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 that unity, that, that synergy that comes from faith in God and love for one another working together to increase and strengthen both, right? The more faith I have in God, the more I love others. And the more that I love others, the more I have faith in God. Right, so they work together, and they increase, and, and you know the result is is greater than just either one by themselves. It's really pretty incredible, and it is kind of a deep idea that you know we can explain it, but we really have to spend time to think through and kind of unpack what that what that's doing. But that's why I shared with you that passage from Second Corinthians. I feel like Paul, uh, you know, is trying to break that idea down to the Corinthians when he's encouraging them to care for the needs of the poor in Jerusalem. Right. Uh, and then the last thing you know, I want to consider here as we look at the believers in Joppa is that we can also consider the implications of God granting their request, right? Because by granting this request to return her life, God is showing his heart for the bond of love in the church, right? Because her, her resurrection was a blessing for the church, right? In other words, they had such love for her that it's like, we're not ready for her to go. And we actually see God agree and grant their request through Peter, right? He uses Peter to do it, but it's God bringing her back to life, right? And, you know, we may actually think of resurrection as being a blessing to the person who's being resurrected, but actually, when you think about it, and when you read more in the scripture, you see that uh, resurrection is really a blessing to the community, not to the person, right? Um, and actually, if you go read uh, Philippians, I'm not going to read it now, but Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 25, uh, Paul talks about how what's better for him is to die and go be with the Lord, but what's better for the church is for him to continue and remain alive so he can care and minister to them, right? So in this situation with Tabitha, the resurrection wasn't the better choice for Tabitha. She was with the Lord, right? Um, the resurrection was a blessing to the community. God gave her back to the community so that they could continue in the relationship and their care for one another, right? So we see in God granting this request to the community of believers in Joppa, the heart that he has for the bond of love in the church, right? All of us go home to be with the Lord one day, but in this particular moment, God decided you guys get to be with her a little bit longer, right? This is really Real, the more you think about it, just the more beautiful and, and, and really moving it is. But it shows you the incredible synergy between faith and love and the importance of the bond of love in the community of the church, right? Uh, and then the last kind of point I want to make here is that, you know, what we see is that Luke has also uh, been highlighting some things that we need to just kind of take note of as we go forward in the book of Acts. Uh, first, we see that Luke, you know, Luke actually frequently names, if you pay attention, he names hosts and hostesses. Uh, he name, uh, you know, he describes their roles in the community, their occupations. Um, these are not just kind of like fun facts that Luke is including, right? The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write the book of Acts. And so that information is being including for a reason, right? The roles that people play in community are obviously and clearly important in the, in, in the writing of the book of Acts. And we're meant to consider why that is. So that's just something that we should take note of, 
okay? Both as we think about today's lesson, but also as we go ahead in the book of Acts. And then also we see that uh, Luke is setting us up for Peter going to unclean people, uh, which is actually going to be the main focus of the next chapter, chapter 10, which we'll cover in our next lesson in October. Um, because you might think it's just a little like kind of throwaway line that, you know, he has at the end of the chapter in verse 43. It just says, Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. It never really comes up again. You might go, okay, why is Luke mentioning this? You know, leather tanners uh, in Hebrew culture would have been considered ceremonially unclean because of how frequently they had contact with the skin of dead animals. Uh, and there's more to the story and you have to do some, you know, uh, more research in the Old Testament to understand why that is. But for now, just take my word for it, that frequent contact with the skin of dead animals caused uh, in their culture, they would have seen um, uh, leather tanners, not as like rejected, ostracized people, but ceremonially, ritualistically, they were unclean because of that uh, occupation. And so uh, that, that's significant that Luke is mentioning that because he's setting us up for what's about to happen. So that's a little bit of foreshadowing from Luke that I just want us to make sure that we know uh, before we go into the next chapter. All right. So now that we've examined uh, this passage today, uh, I encourage you to just think through what are some of the big ideas uh, that you saw in this passage and how can you apply those ideas in your life? Maybe what are some next steps for you. Uh, so as you're thinking through uh, those questions, uh, let me just share with you what I wrote down myself uh, as some big ideas and some applications uh, that I took note of as I read through this passage. Uh, first one is that we, uh, you know, when we care for someone, uh, it doesn't just affect their experience of us. It affects their experience of God. Okay. That's a really big idea the more you think about it, right? When we care for someone, it doesn't just affect their experience of us. It affects their experience of God, right? One of the ways people see God is through our actions. I think that's one of the reasons why God is very concerned with the way that we care for people and the way that we treat them. Uh, in the last lesson, we talked about the importance of advocating for people and speaking up for people who don't have a voice. Uh, when, we, when we act and when we care and when we love others, we are not just giving them experience of ourselves, we're giving them an experience of God, right? We got to think about that. Uh, our experience of God's power and our care for one another in the community of the church are interconnected, right? They can't be separated. Loving God and loving each other cannot be separated. It's not God's design. God actually makes it clear in multiple scriptures uh, that he will accept nothing less than us loving one another and loving him and vice versa, right? Like those, those two things go together. Even Jesus talked about that when he was asked what was the greatest commandment for people to follow, right? And then the third big idea that I have written down here is that God will often answer our prayers through the obedience of others, right? Because they wanted, the, the people in Joppa wanted a resurrection for Tabitha, for Dorcas, right? Um, but it was through Peter that God did that, right? And so in the same way, we have to remember that our obedience is potentially the answer to another person's prayer. Such a really big idea that I want to make sure that we think about today. Definitely stuck out to me as I was reading through this passage. So a couple of applications I've written down for myself is first that I have to consider how my actions uh, toward others 
impact their view of God and their expectations of him. I, you know, I don't want to carry too much of that burden. Obviously, it's not all on me. But it is true that the way that I act towards people, the way that I, uh, the way I conduct myself, it does impact their view of God. And it does impact their expectations of him. And so I have to keep that in my mind as I'm making choices about how I conduct myself and how I act towards other people. Uh, and then the other application I have written is that I have to remember that some of the most important ministry that I can do is simply caring for the practical needs of people. And that might sound trivial and maybe not as big of a deal as some of the what we might think of more important ministries, let's just say. Um, I don't think there are ministries that are more or less important in the church. I think there's just ministries and God has called them to do them all, right? And one of the really important ministries he's giving us is the simple care for the practical needs of one another. And so that's definitely an application for myself that I have to remember. Uh, so let me just give you some things to pray about and think about this week. Uh, first thing I really encourage you to do in your prayer time is to ask the Lord to use you in being his answer to someone else's prayer, right? Because he is going to use someone to answer someone's prayer. And so you want to pray in such a way where you say, Lord, will you use me? Will you send me? Right? So that your obedience is not only a blessing to your own life, but it's a blessing to the life of people in the community, right? And then also a devotional question I have for you this week to think about is, um, you know, okay, so we've been talking today about the importance of church relationship, right? Really relationship in the community, how our love for one another and how our faith in God are, are, are synergistic together. They work together to, to grow the other. And, uh, and so we've been talking about that. You know, in light of kind of this whole lesson, here's the question I want you to think about this week, okay? Um, how might the individualism of our culture be warping the way that you think about living the Christian life? Okay, that's a, that's a big question, I know. Um, I don't think it's any secret that American culture is highly individualistic. Uh, that's been true since our founding, really. Uh, not all of that I'm saying is bad, but I am saying it's a reality. And it, if we embrace individualism too much, right, we really let it embed us. And, and frankly, we've been, if you've been raised in this culture, you might not even realize how much of your thinking is individualistic. But we have to consider how might that culture of individualism really be warping the way that I think about what it means to live the Christian life, what it means to follow Jesus and to live according to his ways, right? Uh, because uh, God has not called us to individualism. That much is certain. And so we've got to think, okay, what are some things in my culture, in my upbringing, and just the way, the way that I think of life, the things that I think are normal about goals and priorities and lifestyle? How is that individualism warping the way that I'm thinking about living the Christian life? It's a big question. It doesn't have an easy answer. It's not meant to. I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. Let the Lord speak to you, right? Some of the best times of having the Lord speak to you in your prayer time is when you bring really difficult, really broad, um, very deep questions that you don't have clear answers to. And you bring those to him and let him talk to you about them. So 
Uh, hope that's been a blessing. Glad that you've been with us today. And uh, hope that you'll continue with us as we study, uh, continue really studying through the book of Acts. We're not quite halfway through, but that's okay. Uh, there's so much good stuff here. We're taking our time. We're walking through it. I hope you'll continue with us. And I uh, just pray that God will bless you today uh, through his word and his spirit. And uh, look forward to being with you again. All right. Well, you have a great day. Bye. We are so glad you've joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church house. Thanks again for joining us and may God bless you today.